0: Welcome to Sex, Body, and Soul. I'm Kate Roberts, founder of The Body Agency. And on this show, we talk about the marvel that is our bodies, what they can do and what they need to thrive. Ladies out there, our time is now. Let's get to it. Our next guest is Yarden Gonan. Her sister is being held as a hostage in Gaza for the last over 20 weeks. Her sister's name is Romy, and on October 7th, she was kidnapped and has been held hostage ever since. Romy watched her best friend Gaia get shot in front of her. And this is a story not about religion, it's not about war, it's about human rights. So we felt it very important to tell the story. Hello Yarden, welcome back to the show. How are you? Hey Kate, nice to see you
1: again. I'm confused. I don't know what to
0: think anymore. I can only imagine. We have all been watching the news, waiting for any updates, and I'm hopeful that this recording can spread some important awareness about exactly what is going on and how people can help. So let's start by properly introducing you. Tell us about you and your family. So my name
1: is Yarden. I'm 30 years old and I'm the oldest sibling in my family. We're a total of five. Romy is uh, the third one and she's 23 years old. We have another two brothers and sister at the ages of 27, 18 and 16. And originally I grew up at the north of Israel in a village called Kfar Vradim. My dad is a mechanical engineer and my mom is a business consultant. And we have a pretty easy, normal life. We live uh, in coexistence with uh, a lot of uh, Arab towns around us, Christian, Muslims, Druze. And in the past nine years, I live in Tel Aviv. Studied nursing, just finished it uh, last September. And Romy is an amazing, uh, crazy little sister. Mm. And she's 23? She's 23 mm-hmm. years old. She loves dancing to learn about new cultures, travel around the world, uh, drink good wines, go to festivals, you know, just enjoying life. She's 23 years old,
0: as she should. hmm and take us back a little bit to when you were growing up. Did you feel with the situation with Gaza, did you feel safe growing up? Because I'm at the north of Israel, so
1: my, our problem at the north was more uh, Hezbollah during the years, not uh, Gaza. So when I grew up, I didn't knew exactly what's going on in the south because we had such a problem in, from uh, Lebanon, from Hezbollah. And we had a a Lebanon War, too, on uh, 2006. But we knew all the time that constantly from something around 2007 up until now, we have constant rockets on the south of Israel, on the Gaza Strip border. And it's never quiet over there. Doesn't matter what's going on. It's never quiet. They have this uh, feeling of war constantly during the years.
0: Yeah, I think I, I I told you when we spoke that my brother was in the Royal Air Force as a pilot, and we had in England where I grew up, we had constant threats from the IRA. And my brother, I remember as a as a young girl, my brother would check under his car before getting into his car to see that there weren't any bombs that had been placed under the car, and and then of course you know, we would have constant bombs go off in the tube, in the metro and in other places. So I I understand what that is like to grow up with a certain amount of fear.
1: Yeah, we have it. I didn't talk about it as Gaza border problem or Lebanon problem. But inside Israel, ever since I remember myself, we have The situation of uh, bombing attacks of uh, people that come to uh, terror suicide attacks in Tel Aviv, in Haifa, in uh, the South, in the North, in uh, buses, inside malls, inside everywhere. We have the constant feeling, like you talked about your brother, the constant feeling that we get inside a crowded room and we look all sides and we say to ourselves, oh my God, this is good place to make a suicide attack, because we know that something that can happen, that did happen everywhere, and if it's not a suicide bomb attack, it's a shooting attack, it's a knife-stabbing attack, we have all kinds of terror attacks inside Israel, and this is something that we live in. I don't remember when I felt easy when I get inside a crowded place, and we saw the last uh, few years, that it also happened in uh, public places, not inside the uh, crowded places. You can see it in uh, bus stops or
0: wherever. We just had an incident here, of course. You, I'm sure you hear stories all the time where people have gone and opened fire. We just had another incident where a woman with her child walks in and guns down a whole bunch of people. And on the gun, it said Palestine. Oh, the world is a mess. Yeah, it is an absolute mess. And these things just keep happening and it's not OK. No. Now, your sister Romi and her best friend Gaia went to a festival. Tell us about what happened.
1: So they waited to that festival for a long time they were supposed to go to another trip in uh, Sri Lanka and they decided not to just so they can get to the Nova Festival. And they went at night. They arrived there around 4.30 a.m. and they're both really party girls. You know, they just came back from South America and there they had so many festivals that they joined in and they love it. They love dancing. They love spreading their love and Smile and happiness towards the world, and they love also the trance music. I love it too. This is my community as well. And Gaia called her dad and told him that she arrived and everything is okay. And I knew that they're going, but I didn't know where it was. And around six forty a.m., I got a phone call from Lomi saying that there are rockets around the, the festival area. At first, we thought it's just the normal situation at the South, that we know that it's we have few rockets and then it's over and everything's okay. But very quickly, it got very ugly angle. And we understood that it's not just uh, rockets. I talked to her on the phone and tried to navigate her where to hide, but around seven 15, I already saw on the news that there are terrorists inside Sderot. And Sderot is a bit far from the border than Berri and Re'im, where the festival took place. So immediately I called her to let her know. My dad didn't want me to call her at first because he, he thought it will panic her. But I, we decided that she must know because she's over there and she
0: needs to know what she's facing And were you guys getting updates of what was happening on TV or the radio? How were you knowing what was going on?
1: We opened up the TV immediately around seven o'clock. I think my dad opened it and I get downstairs and no one knew what's really going on. I mean, the news was open and the interviewers were getting phone calls and updates from people on the ground, but no one understood fully what's going on. Even when people already called from the festival area or from the kibbutzim to say that there are terrorists inside their houses or near them, we didn't understand the amount of chaos. And during all that, we talked with Omi on the phone. So we weren't really focused on TV, on the news. We tried to collect as many information as we can, but no one understood what's going on. I think even around 10 o'clock at the AM, the news was published that there are 20 people that got murdered. What is 20? It's not the numbers that we know today that were at the same time, but no one knew anything. So right. from what we managed to get, we tried to transfer it to Romy, so she can manage to decide whatever she thinks is best. And when I call her to tell her that the terrorist on the ground, she was already at the car with Gaia. And they tried to get out of the festival area. But just imagine 4,000 people trying to get to their cars and to run away. There is a, one road, one main road that they can get out of. And they were stuck in a traffic jam while there are rockets around them constantly. She told me that it, it feels like a rain of rockets. And it's not something that we're used to in any kind of way. Can you explain what you mean by rockets? Do you mean gunfire? No, missiles. Oh, missiles. Like missiles from the air, shooting at them from the Gaza Strip and landing inside Israel. We have the iron shield in Israel, but it's only defend on the Kibbutzim. This was an open air festival, so we knew that no nothing will defend them. The missiles will just land on the ground on them, and she told me that there are a lot of there is a lot of fire going around from the missiles and at some point they saw a lot of people running and they didn't know what's going on so they opened up the window and they heard someone screaming i heard it i was with her on the phone someone screaming get the fuck out of the car run for your lives there are terrorists here and they will kill you if you won't run So Gaia and her got out of the car and started running. I begged her to stay with Gaia and to hold her hand. And they were running and got inside a bush, hiding there for uh, two hours, seeing the terrorists, hearing them get closer and closer. Up to one point that Romy asked me to be quiet because she thought they will hear me throughout the phone because they were so close to her. And over there, they're constantly shooting from gunfire and RPGs and missiles. And there wasn't many policemen or army, so no one could defend them. They were alone, Uh, a lot of people, and they didn't have where to go. And at some point uh, around 10 o'clock, we got a phone call. My dad got a phone call from Romy saying that Ben is a friend of Gaia and he came to rescue them after he rescued uh, around 12 people from the festival. He was at the festival himself and he started rescuing and going in and out just to help people run away. So we got there uh, to the place they told him to come. We saw afterwards from their uh, texting that they tried to approach him and they sent him live location uh, while they're going on from bush to bush. And they're saying, Gaia wrote him, Don't come. There are a lot of rockets. They're, they're shooting at us, a lot of uh, terrorists on the ground. And he came anyway. So he picked them up and they were absolutely relieved. We all felt like that's it. Our story is about to end. Everything is okay. We can take a big breath and be happy at last that it all finished. And I even spoke with Romy on the phone and she was like, I don't know, how will I get inside my apartment? My key left in Gaia's car. And we talked about a bunch of stupid stuff just because we felt that everything is okay, finally. But unfortunately, it was uh, too good to be true because 10 minutes after she called my mom and said that they were ambushed and that Ben, the driver, was surely dead and that Gaia was shot, and she's not answering,
0: and that she was shot. So were they all together? So Ben, Gaia, and Romy were all trying to escape, and then Ben got shot, and Gaia got shot.
1: Ben arrived at the place that Romy and Gaia was hiding inside uh, some bush. He picked them up on his car, and they uh, started to flee from the area with his car. And when she called my mom and told her that they were ambushed on the road, on the main road, there was another man with them named Ophir that they didn't know before that. He was just joined the rescue and they were ambushed by a bunch of terrorists on the main road. And Ben was uh, dead immediately. We saw from the footage of the car that was found later and he didn't stand a chance. And also Gaia. Romy told us that she was shot and she's not answering. And I think she didn't want to face the fact that her best friend murdered in front of her eyes. And Romy said that she was shot on her arm and she's bleeding. And if no one will come, she'll bleed to death. And also, fear was shot. Everyone was shot because there are terrorists that ambushed them and wanted them to be dead. And so Romy was with my mom on the phone for 45 minutes stuck inside the car, not being able to move because the terrorist was surrounding them. And She told her that there are a lot of fire around them, Ophir was slowly dying, and most of the conversation she's not speaking at all. It's terrified. My mom is trying to, at first, get a lot of information to pass on to the authorities so someone will come, but then she realized that she maybe need to switch the energy and start to calm my sister down and let her know that she's not
0: alone and she's with her and that she loves her. I can't imagine how you and your family and your mother were dealing with, as a mother myself, I just, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I can't possibly imagine what you must have been going through.
1: It's so hard because I'm talking about that so much (sighs) I don't know how many times I've told this story before, but it's so hard just to imagine what she's been through at that moment and to remember the feeling that I can't do anything to help her. It doesn't matter what I do, who I call, who I'm begging for help, no one can help me because of the chaos that surrounded us that few hours, the that, that first days even. <laughs> She was considered as missing for at least two weeks because no one knew anything about her. We didn't have any video that they kidnapped her. We didn't have anything except from that phone call. And after two days, we managed to locate her phone inside Gaza. And from the translation of the Arabs speaking around, they are speaking about her, that she's alive, and they're debating whether to kidnap her or not, and eventually deciding that they will. This was the only evidence that she was kidnapped. Uh, Until the released hostages uh, came out and told us that they were with her and that she's alive.
0: And how was she dealing with her arm? Because she was shot in the arm and bleeding, I presume that the hostages were not given any medical supplies or any help. How was she even surviving?
1: So we were really terrified about her hand. We thought maybe they cut it off because of the situation. But the hostages that came out told us that she's gone through some procedure that they don't know what it was. And she had her hand, but her hand is not functioning. She's not moving. She can barely move her fingers and they're changing colors. They don't have a lot of supplies or bandages and they need to calculate when she's changing the bandages. The antiseptic cream is from 2016 and, you know, there are a lot of bacteria and humidity and it's not an hygiene situation. She do not get any shower. She can't treat herself properly. So I understand
0: that they're being kept in a tunnel. Is that right?
1: I don't know now. You know, the hostages that was released, it was
0: uh, 76 days ago. We don't know anything right now about Romy, where she is. And of course, as we know, war in these situations doesn't stop. Bodily functions, right? Where well, women, she is being used as a tool of war and terror. Exactly. And, you know, she still will get her period. You know, periods don't stop. Do you think she's safe from rape? I hear some of the hostages have been raped. We have no idea. We heard so many testimonies about
1: the women that came out, about the women that are still there. We know for fact, that when they kidnapped her, they dragged her from her hair and from her wounded hand on the floor, scratching her back. And when she picked up her head, someone get angry from the terrorists. So they punch her and smashed her skull with her gun. So they don't care about women. They don't care about human rights. They can do whatever they want. And no one can resist You know, if you want to keep yourself alive, you can't resist for what they're doing to you. You have to agree. You have to cooperate. And everyone that was released told us that they were never alone. Doesn't matter what they did. If they were sleeping, changing their clothes, going to the restroom, they were never alone. So even, let's say, I hope, that no one touched her. But just the feeling of being watched in your every breath, every move, every inch of your body is being guarded with, I can't even say the word guard because it's not guard. No one guards her when, while he's a terrorist using his weapon. It's not okay. It's not a situation that anyone should be in. And I'm really scared for all of them, mental health. Specifically, because this is something that will take a lot of time to heal from.
0: So for the last 20 plus weeks, you and your family have been obviously at your wits end, but also you've been very active trying to get the hostages released. And what are some of the things that you've been doing? I know that you've traveled to Washington, D.C. You've been in New York. You've been in Germany. Tell us a little bit about what you've been doing to try to help. So our
1: main motive here is to let everyone know our story, our country story from October 7th. And, you know, specifically my sister's story as a woman as a sister, as a daughter, as a human being, just so everyone can see that she's not just a face on a poster, that she's a real human being that deserve to live her life in freedom and freely how she chooses them to be. So we're speaking in interviews all around the world and in Israel. We're speaking in committees, conventions. We're flying around the world uh, to raise awareness. We're meeting with the... Uh, people that have an influence with the decision makers all around the world. I've been in the U.S. and Germany and France, and we're meeting also Jews communities and everyone that wants to help and listen. A lot of media, I'm speaking mostly with the foreign media just to raise awareness that my sister could be me, could be you, could be anyone It could happen to anyone because if it happened in a music festival, no one in any kind of music festival is safe. It could happen everywhere, not just because of uh, anti-Semitism, because we saw that Hamas came into Israel and they didn't care if you're a Jew, if you're a Muslim, if you're a Christian. It doesn't matter. They just wanted to cause harm and not harm for specific that day for the long term and for the, some of the hostages that was released, they told them Israel is not the main goal. It's just the nearest. It's just the starting point. And I am not going to let terrorism win. This won't be the new standard for terrorism. And that's why, first and foremost, we have to release all of those hostages. They deserve their life back. And we, as human beings, As a global and international community, we must say no to that act. We can cooperate with that. And the first step is to release them. So I really do everything I can.
0: Yeah. You know, I I do want to say that this is not a story about Israel versus Palestine. This is not a story about being Jewish versus Muslim. This is a story of human rights. Exactly. And there are horrendous things going on right now on either side. This is a war. It shouldn't be about land. It shouldn't be about religion. This is a human tragedy on so many levels. And my heart absolutely aches for you and your family, Yarden. Thank you, Kate. And I just want
1: to say that maybe they spoke Arabic. And maybe they believe in Islam, but this is not Islam. This is a shame for Islam and for any kind of religion because this is unacceptable. This is not human being. This is demons.
0: Yeah, it's very frightening. And I know we talked about this a little bit, but this is a world problem now. It really is. And the anti-Semitism that has seeped through to the rest of the world is really, really frightening as well. I think I was telling you that I was recently in New York and I walked past a store and outside the store, it said, no dogs, no Jews. Oh my God. And, you know, I have driven past synagogues here. I'm not Jewish, but some of my family members are Jewish. My daughter's father is Jewish. But again, these are human rights issues and Again, I was driving past the synagogues and I saw there were security guards outside the synagogue. I mean, what is happening? How is it to be Jewish now for you, Yarden? I know that's a strange question. It's a question I... We never would have wanted to ask because why do we have to ask a question like that? It is sad. It's just really sad. It's so sad
1: that we need to ask that, but it's so obvious that you're asking that because you see, you see the world in his transmission, what is going on. It's something that I feel like we got back in time 75 years ago. It's I can't believe that it's going on in two thousand. 23, 24, in modern living and population, how can it be not in black and white? It's so related to black and white movies. It's not related to this period of time. I can't believe it. It's like stories that I grew on, you know, the the Holocaust uh, stories and the feeling to be ashamed of being a Jew, to hide the Star of David, why should I not be speaking Hebrew on the streets? Why should I be afraid of that? I didn't do anything wrong. My sister didn't do anything wrong. We're just human beings and we deserve to live like anyone else. I don't want anyone to be dead or harmed. I'm a nurse in my profession. I told you at at first, my driven in life is to make people heal and get better and go on with their lives and do whatever they believe in and feel that it's good for them and for their society. I don't want to be ashamed. First of all, I didn't choose to be born Jewish. No one chose to be born as he is. And I'm not ashamed in my religion. I think it's very beautiful and have so many values of fertility and equality and love and peace and family and friendship. And this is what drives me in life. This is what I grew up on. And it's crazy that Hamas did that to us. And at the end of the day, I need to ashamed in my religion. Why should I be ashamed? No one should be ashamed of where he come from or what he believes in or not believe. It's your own business. Everyone should live freely. And my sister don't need to be sorry for what she born into and definitely not be sorry for her own kidnap. They should be sorry for even think to do
0: and to act this kind of horror. I can't believe it happened to us. What do you think someone's listening to this podcast? What can they do? Like, what are some of the things that people can do? Obviously, you can please share this podcast as widely as you can, and we'll absolutely get it out there. But as someone just a regular person sitting at home, what do you think they can do? I think that no one is uh, truly regular, you know? We
1: are all unique in our own kind of way. And we all know people that know people that know people. And we can make a difference if we just step up and demand for this situation to end. And if we all will share their stories and demand the immediate release of all the hostages and we will ask other people to share their stories and demand the same thing so eventually we will get the decision makers' opinion. We will change their opinion. We can impact them and we will manage to persuade them to act for our own people behalf. We can make a difference. So no one should sit at home and think for himself or for herself Uh, I don't don't have anything to do. My opinion wouldn't get an impact on anyone. No, we all have an impact. And to be silent, we're saying it's okay. And I know that people don't think it's okay what happened on October 7th. So just remember that for me and for the other families and for the all 134 hostages that are still in Gaza held by Hamas' hands, this is still October 7th. They are still being tortured.
0: And your ward can make a change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sadly, I don't want to make this political at all because, well, you know why. But, you know, we've had a president of the United States, I, I won't even say his name, but you'll know who I'm talking about, who spreads the hatred. And on both sides, he had a ban on Muslims coming into the country. Those kinds of things just help escalate. The hatred there is towards certain religious groups or races, it's just not right. I wish I had the answer, but perhaps let's elect officials, let's elect presidents and leaders that don't spread the hatred and actually will do something about human rights. Because again, this is a human rights story. That is what it is. I couldn't agree more. I mean, your sister is being used as a tool of war, and it is unacceptable, and she has to come home, as well as the other hostages. Exactly. Yarin, you're so brave to do this. Your sister is very strong, and I know she's going to come home safely. It's in my prayers. We will all do whatever we can to get this message out, and... Thank you for telling your story and all my love to you and your family. Thank you very much, Kate, for doing that
1: and for inviting me. And I want to ask everyone that listened to us uh, in conclusion, please keep in your mind, in your heart and in your soul, the presence of my sister, the footage of her getting on the ICRC vehicle, driving towards Israel, getting into the IDF hands and then going into my hands. If everyone will imagine it on any kind of hostage that you like, just choose a picture, choose a frame, choose some person that you most relate to and picture in your own mind the frame of that hostage come home to his loved ones. It will happen. Please do it for me. I believe in that and it will help me a lot to
0: achieve that. Thank you, Yaden. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Sex, Body and Soul. Remember, you can find all my favorite products and resources to support your health and sexual wellness through my one-stop shop, The Body Agency. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast listening platform. We are actually partnering up with Vital Voices to get much needed Dignity Kits to the refugees in Ukraine. Girls and women do not have access to personal hygiene products that keep them safe and healthy. Please go to thebodyagency.com to donate a Dignity Kit today. Be sure also to sign up for our email list at The Body Agency for the latest curated recommendations from our industry experts and use our special promotional code podcast 10 to get a 10% discount. Thank you for listening.